Well, it really is good to be back with you again for the second time preaching, and I can't speak for all visiting preachers or those of us that supply pulpits. That's the term, pulpit supply. I can't speak for all of them, but most of them I would say, welcome the second invitation back. It's always good to know that, hey, he's worth having back. Or maybe the schedule didn't permit someone else. You never know. And yet, I have been given the opportunity to return and be with you, and I'm very glad. And hopefully, we'll be back uh, in early August when Doug is gone again. So, When I planned on coming back, when Doug first called me, I, I started picturing what I could preach about. Uh, and that was before, I believe, he mentioned to me about the video music clips that you're seeing here. Or maybe he had mentioned that to me. But I wasn't really familiar with how that would work. You know, where you, I guess you've been doing that some already where you see the music video and then relate it to the theme. Well, I had already chosen a theme, and the theme was hope. And I hoped <laughs> that the video clip would speak to hope, and it does, so I'm glad about that. But when I was with you before, I preached on love, sacrificial love. And I thought, what a compliment to preach on hope following love. Love and hope as twin towers at the heart of the Christian faith. About 20 years ago, I remember being part of a workshop in my hometown of Huntsville, Alabama, of preachers. And we had come together to strengthen and refine our preaching and worship leadership skills. And we brought over an expert from Columbia Theological Seminary in Atlanta who taught worship and preaching. Hey, can't get much better than that. Well, this person came over and for several hours he guided us through a fairly intense technical detailed study of how to build a sermon uh, how to lead worship creatively in our day and time uh, how can we be better at what we're doing and it was very loaded and intense at the end of it this is what he said everything i've taught you today is worth hearing but this is what i want you to remember from today when people walk out the door at the end of worship, this is what you want them to experience and say in their hearts, I am loved and there is hope. Doesn't sound very complicated, does it? You are loved and there is hope. Those are the twin towers. So we've talked about love when I was with you before. Today we focus upon hope. Hope. Hope is an easy passage or theme for me in many ways because hope operates very deeply within my heart. Uh, I've been that way all my life, I'm told, a, a child of hope, of promise, a, a, an optimist, someone who thinks positively about things and really has hope built within him. I feel like I just breathe and bleed hope. That sounds kind of funny, but there's something in me that's just just filled with hope, even in my darkest times, I just can't seem to quit hoping. I get very down. But the hope is alive. In fact, that's a phrase I want us to take with us today and look at. There is a hope that never dies. I'm going to ask you something. Don't, you don't need to raise your hands, but do you believe that? Do you believe that there is a hope that never dies? Do you trust in the hope that never dies. Have you felt deeply within your heart and your soul the hope that never dies? I suspect many of you would agree. I see some heads nodding. 
Uh, there may be people out there today, though, that have felt that before on all those levels, but may not feel it now. I do not assume that everyone comes to worship just brimming with hope. But I do assume that if they've really looked at the scriptures and heard the church and accepted the beauty of Christ, that there's something of hope within them, something of hope. When I was in South Africa years ago and was uh, there as part of our Presbytery Partnership Program, I may have mentioned this to you when I was with you last time, uh, I was asked to preach one of the, the first time that we went over to South Africa, and I preached, and the tradition I was told is that when you preach in the small African uh, township churches, that the elders may jump up in the middle of your sermon and stop you and declare your spirit. Probably not till the end, though, because they want to hear your full sermon, and they stand up and declare you are a person of joy, hope, love, theme that comes from the character of your preaching. So I preached a sermon, and about three minutes into it, the elder jumped up and said, we've got it. We've got your name. It's Sepotimba. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means bringer and bearer of hope. So there was something about my nature that was hopeful. So I accept that as a reality, that it comes kind of easy to me, but not always, because hope sometimes visits me and you in the hardest times of life. And sometimes hope is just enough to get us through. There's a hope that rises up that's exciting and, and persuasive and wondrous that I have experienced a lot in my life. But there's also a different level of hope that I want to start with in our message today. I'm going to be talking about two dimensions or two levels of hope that the scriptures speak of. The first one is the hope that visits us in the hard places of life. This is the hope that consoles us, that befriends us. It's God's hope to be a companion with us and love us in the difficult times. I'm talking about tragedies and losses, some of the hardest times of life where, in fact, we may not be hopeless, but despair is not very far away. Depression may have visited hard times, part of life. And we know that there's no guarantee that in the Christian life, hard times will end. In fact, hard times continue, but the perspective changes because we can know through the hardest of times God will be there for us. So dimension number one, or level number one, is the hope that never dies, that stays within us, even though we may not feel its lift. It may simply be there to console us and comfort us. Now the Israelites, through their journey over many, many years, experienced hope. A lot of the time it was that first, this first kind of hope. When they were being oppressed in Egypt, when they were wandering in the wilderness, in times of oppression and in times of exile, which is fairly common in the life of the Israelites for, for really decades, centuries, much of their life was lived either in oppression or in exile. Not all of it, but a lot of it. So they learned how to hang in there and hang on. Hang in there and hang on. And the comfort of God for them came as a gift. It's a gift that helped them to deal with with the hardest of times. 
Shortly before he died, Moses spent time recounting to Israel the events of the exodus from Egypt and the 40 years into the wilderness. And he gave them great words of comfort that helped them not just hang on, but hang in and hope for hope. In Deuteronomy 32, he describes God watching over his people, protecting and lifting them up out of trouble, caring for them with dedication, with compassion, with boldness, and with sensitivity. This was the God who accompanied them from oppression into exile, the God who cared. And the image that is used frequently in the earlier days, particularly surrounding Moses, was the image of the eagle. The eagle became a symbol in the scriptures for this kind of hope. As an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, it spreads out its wings. It takes the little ones up, carrying them on its wings. Well, in ancient Hebrew culture, revered eagles were seen as mighty warriors who cared fiercely for their young. Raptors of long ago. Eagles carried their eaglets to safety, away from the threat of predators. Eagles were also known for their strength and courage in dangerous and turbulent weather. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, God says, and how I carried you on an eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So the first aspect of the eagle that we're looking at here is the, the, this powerful bird that is incredibly uh, gifted at flying, takes the time to care for the young. And likewise, that's how God works. He cares for us in the turbulent times in the times of vulnerability, of oppression, and exile that we experience, because all of us have known oppression and exile. It's a part of life. So this is the kind of hope that's what we call the first level of hope. It's very foundational, it's critical, and it's wondrous. The hope that never dies, that comes as comfort in the hardest of times. Which leads us to our musical clip. Because here's a clip, here's a song that Doug has chosen that at first I watched it and thought, well, this, this, this is about hope, but what does it really say about hope? Because the situation is one of deep loss and of pointing to the hope of heaven. Someday you'll hear this song talk about there'll be no scars in heaven. It will be wonderful. But what about now? And as you watch the musical clip, see how it speaks not only to the, star, the scars being gone in heaven, but what happens to the scars of us in life today when we experience deep loss and difficulty? So let's go ahead and at this point, listen to the song. This is for the busted hearts. This is for the question marks. This is for the outcast soul, lost control, no one knows Sing it for the can't go back Sing it for the broken past Sing it for the just found out Life is now upside down If you're looking for hope tonight, raise your hand If you feel alone and 
separation, illness, they're the focus of the eagle. Not only does the eagle provide for its young, but the eagle actually helps to lift up and fly high with the beautiful high hope that we all have. And that brings us to our scripture for today. And I want you to look especially at this scripture that comes from Isaiah, dealing with the calamity, the intensity of the Israelites continuing to have very difficult times. And yet, here's the image of the eagle and the hope that not only accompanies them, but lifts them up at the same time. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. And because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? And here's the big claim that's rich in hope. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. Wow. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. That's fantastic. He gives power to the weak. 
and strength to the powerless, even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. Ever had exhaustion? When you fall and you wonder about that hope? But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Wow. Do you feel the uplift here? It's recognizing the difficulties that are built in. It doesn't skew over those, but it takes them and acknowledges that God will accompany the Israelites in their pain, but he will rise up with them like eagle power and eagle love. Next scripture. All right, this is a scripture from Romans. And Paul, who is speaking to this same hope that rises up, that also comforts, that provides and sustains, but also lifts and empowers. Watch what Paul says to the theme of the hope that comforts and rises up. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Now that's a lift that's above all lifts to share in the glory of God. We can rejoice too, and here's where the, the difficulties are faced and transformed. When we run into problems and trials, we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, he concludes, will not lead to disappointment. The eventual goal is to transcend that. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The Holy Spirit, the wind of God that comes in like a mighty draft within the heart to console and comfort, but then takes that same draft of wind, the Holy Spirit, and lifts us up for new life. And our final text. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Not become, but what we already are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that. We are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears but we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. And there's that term, eager expectation. As we come to the gospel with expectations, we don't want to be so expectant that everything's going to be wonderful all the time. This is not the case. Nor do we want to be so disappointed that hope has died because hope never dies. So in the Christian life, we live with balanced expectations. High, but rooted well. And there's where the power of Jesus Christ comes in who roots us beautifully and deeply, but also lifts us up with the hope that never dies. 
so the Christian life is really a blend, isn't it? Of hard times and good times. Of times that are thin on hope. Of times that are rich with hope. And often we live somewhere in between in our world. But through it all, as the constant is the hope that never dies. And that hope is centered in Jesus Christ. The Irish poet Seamus Haney puts hope this way. and He's done a sweep of the history of hope, but he also knows of the hope of the human heart. We are tempted to look at the dark tales of history and conclude in the end, it is not wise to hope on this side of the grave. But then once in a lifetime, hope rises and the long-for tidal wave of justice and redemption emerges. Hope and history rhyme. Is it possible that the times are coming when we can make hope and history rhyme with passion and purpose? Hope is what carries it through. And this is what Charles Spurgeon says about this hope that is constant through it all. Faith goes up the stairs that love has built and looks out the window which hope has offered. I conclude with a story that comes from my own experience. It has to do with a woman by the name of Mrs. Brock. Mrs. Brock lived in a retirement community, a nursing home, where I used to be chaplain. Uh, Mrs. Brock, on first look, did not look hopeful. She had curvature of the spine, which was not good, very difficult situation of being in pain. When I first visited her, I felt great compassion for Mrs. Brock, and I wondered what kind of hope she had in this difficult condition. Well, this is what I learned. She was a woman of enormous hope while she had incredible pain. And when I would come visit her, which I frequently did, wanting to feel hope, I would come in and see her and say, Mrs. Brock, how are you today? And she would go, it's tough. I'm barely alive, but the Lord is so good. Another day I'd come, Miss Brock, how are you? I'm not feeling well today. I'm exhausted. I'm not sure what will come next. But he lives forever. Every time she was crouched over, not simply because of her back and the difficulty of standing up, but she was oppressed and in exile from the life before. But she held on to the hope, and she always would lean up as far as she could and look at me and give me a spark of hope. I was there to give her the spark. I got the spark back. Mrs. Brock is a wonderful symbol to me of the hope that never dies. My final story. It's about a nine-year-old girl who got a brand new Bible at Sunday school. She proudly walked into the worship service with the Bible tucked under her arm. She sat down with her family and put the Bible between her and an elderly man who was sitting in the same pew. The man picked up the Bible and asked the little girl if he could simply look at it. You can't look at it. You can look at it, but don't open it up, warned the child. You might let God out. And I don't want God to fly away. Ah, the man says, don't worry. God won't fly away. He flies high like the eagle. He loves like the eagle. 
for the eagle will always protect the young. But the power to fly high is the same power that holds you up. He will never fly away. Sisters and brothers, God will never fly away. He will fly within and give us this hope that never dies. At times that hope will console us and get us through the hardest of times that we barely survive. At other times the hope will sweep in and take us where we are and lift us. And boy, those are great moments that will occur in your life and mine. So let's be open, shall we? This week, sisters and brothers, to the gift of hope that can visit us way down or on our way up. This is the hope that never dies. It cannot be destroyed or killed. And it's centered in the beauty and gift of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. The beauty and gift of Jesus Christ. Fantastic God, thank you. The gift of Christ tells us once and for all, there is a hope that never dies. Whether we're barely hanging on or beginning to rise up, wherever we are on the journey, you will not fly away. We welcome the flight of the Holy Spirit into us, the sweep, the draft, the mighty winds of the Holy Spirit that we might receive the hope that never dies and share it with others as we share it within ourselves. This is our hope and prayer offered in the hope that never dies, Jesus Christ. Amen.